0: Ali loved visiting antique shops. One day, while browsing one, she came across a beautiful old singer style sewing machine, the manual kind, mounted on a table with a foot pedal. When she saw it, she whispered a simple prayer God, I'd love something like that for my place. The Bible portrays God as a gift-giving God. But there's a big difference between praying for a need and praying for an antique sewing machine, don't you think? Ali wasn't praying for food, safety, or even divine forgiveness. Her request was a childlike wish to a God she was just becoming acquainted with. Well, a couple of days later, Ali was walking out her front door on her way to work when she saw a pile of junk by the roadside. She stopped and was stunned. There in the rubbish stood an old singer-style sewing machine, the manual kind, mounted on a table with a foot pedal. On it hung a sign that said, Perfect condition, please take. I thought about that story, and Ollie's story reminds me of the Christmas story, where you often will find God in unexpected places. Isn't that the Christmas story? Finding God in unexpected places. There she does, she there she is, answer, asks God for a, a sewing machine, and there she finds God on top of a junk pile. Answer to her prayer, God at work. That's the Christmas story, finding God in an unexpected place. We saw last week that Jesus was born in an animal room and was placed in a feeding trough, which indicated to us that Jesus is not beyond the reach of any person who would seek him. Today we're going to see how the lost, lowly, and simple represented by the shepherds were able to find Jesus in this unexpected place, in this manger. How were these lost, simple, humble shepherds able to find Jesus, the Savior of the world? God had already done His work in bringing Him down so that every person could reach Him. Now what do these shepherds do to reach up, to find Him? What do they do, these shepherds? Remember, the shepherds represent the lost, the lowly, and the simple. That's us, hopefully not the lost part, right? Well, how do we find Jesus? Jesus. Well, how do the lost find Jesus? The simple. We see in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 20, how the shepherds were able to find Jesus in this unexpected place in their life. The first thing that we see, or the first key that these shepherds did in finding Jesus is that they were vigilant in a time of danger. They were vigilant in a time of danger. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. These shepherds were vigilant shepherds. They were keeping watch over their flocks when? At night. What was the most dangerous time to be a shepherd? It was at night. Why? Because that's when the wild animals, predatory animals, would most likely attack the flock. It was also a time when those who were thieves would try to steal one of their flocks. So it was a dangerous time. Here we see the shepherds, at night, were vigilant, keeping watch. They were alert. They were sober. They were awake. Even in Ali's story, as she was walking out of her home to go to work, she was sober enough and vigilant enough to notice the sewing machine that she was praying for sitting in a pile of junk. She was alert and vigilant, okay? One of the reasons why these lost, lowly shepherds were able to find Jesus was because they were vigilant and sober and alert in a dangerous time. And when I look at the world in which we live in today and the nation in which we are living in today, I can't recall a more dangerous time for us to be living in the United States. Whether it's because of we're living in a pandemic or because of the political stability, instability in which we are now witnessing in our government, it's a dangerous time and many people are sleeping the shepherds who were lost and lowly and humble and simple were vigilant in a dangerous time and that's what the first key factor in what enabled them to find Jesus i'm reminded of what it says in 1 Peter 5:8 be sober and be vigilant because your enemy roams roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Vigilance, sober and alert. Secondly, the lost, lowly, and the simple shepherds were able to find Jesus because they were able to overcome their fear. Verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. They became fearful. What would they be fearful of? Why are they afraid here? Well, obviously, they're having a divine encounter, and that's a, that can be unsettling, especially if you're seeing an angel. But that's not all that is going on there. What else is happening? The glory of the Lord shone around them. The darkness became light, and they became afraid of the light. It wasn't just the angel. It was the light. Four members of a family in Haiti cowered at home during the February 1998 solar eclipse And were found dead the next day by what officials said was accidental poisoning. Police say the four died of an overdose of sleeping pills taken to alleviate their anxiety. But suffocation was also suspected because the family had plugged all openings to their home to block out the sun. Well, why would they do that? Thousands of Haitians hold to the superstition that an eclipse will blind them or kill them. They were afraid of the light, and in the process of being fearful of the light, they died. Isn't that interesting? As tragic and as unnecessary as this event was, how much more so is it tragic and unnecessary that millions of people are still afraid of the light of life? Jesus you say why would people be afraid of the light of life now strange would people be afraid of the light of life sure John chapter 3 19 to 21 says it this way this is the verdict light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. One of the reasons why people who are lost don't, are fearful of the light is because they don't, want to know, they don't want anyone to know their past. They don't want to confess it, and they're fearful of it. And so they avoid the light to their detriment. Another reason why people may be fearful of the light is because they're so accustomed to living in darkness, they're fearful of the light. Uh, a woman by the name of Nasi Faz, an Afghan woman, experienced Explained to Chicago Tribune foreign correspondent Liz Sly the reason some Afghan women continue to wear burqas, the full-body coverings mandated by the Taliban, even though they don't like them and are no longer forced to wear them. You know what she said? We have lived in darkness for so long that now we're afraid of the light. They keep themselves covered. When you live in darkness for a long period of time, it becomes harder and harder and harder to expose yourself to light. Or it could be something as simple as starting a new relationship with Jesus, someone you don't know. I remember a movie, I don't know if you ever saw the movie um, The Proposal, starring um, uh, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, right? You can't go into the the whole deal, but she worked for a big publishing company I believe it was a publishing company, and Ryan Reynolds was her assistant. And she was not supposed to be in the United States. She was in the States illegally. She was a citizen in Canada. Well, her employers found out that she was in the country illegally. And so she came up with a scheme of marrying her assistant in order to keep her within the country. Well, they despised each other. But to make a long story short, they ended up falling in love. And he ended up chasing her down. And he asked her, he said, I want to marry you, in essence. I want to marry you. And she was someone who always kept to herself. She didn't want to be in any relationship. And she said to him, when he said that to her, that I want to marry you, she said to him, you don't want to be with someone like me. You know, there's a reason why I've been alone my whole life. It's easier that way. That's what she said to him. And he said to her, yeah, it is easier that way. And then her eyes started to well up, and she says, I'm scared. I'm afraid. Afraid of making a commitment. Afraid of making oneself vulnerable, of getting hurt. And when one person is truly, uh, seriously considering giving their heart and life over to Jesus and making yourself vulnerable, it can be a fearful thing, right? So these lost, lowly, simple shepherds were able to find Jesus because they were able to overcome and deal with any fears they may have had along the way. It's very important, So those of you who may be listening to this message on the radio, maybe someday in the future, and you're wondering whether or not Jesus is going to judge you because of your past. Jesus loves you and will accept you just the way you are. There's no need to fear. What you do need to fear is fear what will happen if you don't turn to the light. So the lost and lowly and simple were able to find Jesus because they were able to overcome their fear. Thirdly, the lost, lowly, and simple were able to find Jesus because they were given divine assistance in verses 10 to 12. Then the angels said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger in an unexpected place. But there was the divine assistance, divine revelation, divine guidance There's no way anyone is going to be able to see or find Jesus without divine assistance, without the aid of the Holy Spirit. It's simple, but it is true. There's no way that these shepherds will find Jesus lying in a manger unless they have help from above. That was the only way they were going to find Jesus. And that is true today. I'm reminded of what Um, Jesus said to his disciples when he went to Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples this question, who do the people say that I am? Some say that you're the prophet Elijah. Some say you're the prophet Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Well, who do you say that I am, Jesus says. And Peter says, you're the Christ You are the Christ. And what did Jesus say? Simon bar Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, it is not flesh and blood that has revealed this to you. It was my Father in heaven who has revealed this to you. Here they had the physical Jesus staring right at Peter and the only way Peter would actually know the true identity of the person standing before him is if he had received divine assistance. It's the only way. Anybody who says that we can find truth within oneself without outside revelation impossible it is not possible john 16 12 to 14 says this i still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now however when the he the holy spirit The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. And he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Divine assistance. We see Jesus because of divine assistance. It's the only way we'll see him. Fourthly, the lost and lowly and the simple were able to find Jesus... Because they valued seeing Jesus above everything else. Verse 15. So it was, when the angels had gone away from heaven, gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing. And I find that fascinating It reveals to me that they valued seeing Jesus more than anything else. I know that because they were willing to leave their flocks to go see Jesus. And their flocks were very important to them. It was their livelihood. But when they received the revelation about the true identity of Jesus, that he was the Savior, Christ and Lord, well, we got to go see him. And so they went in searching for him. Why? Because they valued him above everyone and everything else. When we value Jesus above everyone and everything else, you will find him and you will see him in ways that you have yet to see him. That is true. And you may find him in an unexpected place in your life. That is true. We need to ask ourselves, how badly do I really want to know Jesus? How badly do I want to know him, to see him for who he really is and experience him in relationship, even though we cannot physically see him? It's interesting that the disciples, uh, when you look at the Bible and you see the people who saw Jesus, you had the multitudes and the crowds. They saw Jesus, but not in the same way as the disciples not the 12, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. The disciples saw Jesus in a different way than the crowds did. The 12 disciples had a more intimate relationship with Jesus than the disciples did. And then you had Peter, James, and John had a more intimate relationship with Jesus. They experienced things with him that the other disciples, 12, did not. It's interesting that um, that one's ability to see Jesus more clearly is contingent and is associated with our ability or our desire to want to see him and to experience him. Do we value him above all else? Uh, we know that there are men and women in the church who love the Lord, but there are other things in life that are going to keep them from seeing him more clearly. That's true. I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a truth. We will see as much of Jesus as we want. And these disciples put him first and were willing to sacrifice other things, important stuff, in order to see the truly important. And fifthly, the lost and the lowly and the simple were able to find Jesus because they sought him with great urgency, verse 16. And they came with great haste, And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with great urgency. Why would they seek him with great urgency? Because they understood that the opportunity to see Jesus was limited. Jesus was not going to be in a manger for a long period of time. So if they want to see God's blessing, if they want to see God's gift in the unexpected place... They were going to make every effort to do so as quickly as they possibly could. And it's true today as well. Being able to see Jesus and encounter him and find, experience Him, experiencing him is not going to be forever. There's a limited amount of time in which people can encounter and experience Jesus for those who are lost. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. The shepherds show us that Jesus was valued above and beyond everyone and everything else, and they sought him with great haste. And when they did so, they found him. They found him, and they saw him. Now, once they see Jesus, two things happen. First, once they've seen him, they become messengers of the good news. Verses 17 to 19. Now when they had seen him, they made known or widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. It is amazing to see what has happened when they saw Jesus seeing Him and experiencing Him wasn't enough. It wasn't sufficient. They became messengers of the same message that they had received from the angels. And that is true with every single one of us who is a child of the living God, that when we encounter Jesus and we experience Him in personal relationship, that should motivate us to want to share Him with those around us who don't know Him, who are still living in the dark. There's a responsibility that comes along with finding Jesus and seeing him. It doesn't have to be eloquent. You explain or show Jesus and how God leads you by his spirit to share him with others. But there is a hope in this world. And that hope was in a manger, in an unexpected place, for all people who would simply walk towards the light and embrace him and believe in him. Secondly, they glorified and praised God for all that they had seen and all that they had heard. In verse 20, then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and all that they had seen, just as it was told them. And that is a natural consequence and result of seeing Jesus for all that he is, the Savior of the world, giving us life, giving us hope in the midst of the darkness. The natural response is to share that news with others and to praise Him for what He has done for us and providing us a gift in an unexpected place. And it is interesting that when you see them praise and glorify God, they're doing the very same thing that the angels did when they told the shepherds that God has sent forth a son in Bethlehem. The angels said in 13 and 14 of chapter 2, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and peace, goodwill toward men. That's exactly what the the, uh, shepherds did. They glorified and praised God. So what you see is a heavenly choir and an earthly choir, both heaven and earth, praising God for God's miraculous, gracious provision of a Savior. That is the Christmas story. God coming down, giving us an opportunity to reach out to Him. And then we have to do what we need to do in order to come to Jesus as lost, lowly, and simple people. And I know that many of you, or all of you, we all have people who don't know Jesus in our families, uh, co-workers, and... May the Lord Jesus Christ and his light shine through you and all your brokenness and all your, 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 our cracks. May God's light shine through you to them. Even in our weaknesses and brokenness, God's light is going to be powerful enough to just peer through that and, and, and. May God work in your testimony as you reflect God's light in this broken world, in this Christmas time, in this Christmas season. The Christmas story confirms the pattern of God. He shows up in unexpected places. Who would ever thought God would show up as a child in Bethlehem to a couple from Nazareth? Who would ever think that he would make himself known to us? but he has. Praise God that he has. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the light of life. And we are grateful that you have given us the opportunity to to know him, to trust him, to know you, to believe in you. And Lord, we just pray that we would be drawn nearer to you this Christmas season. May we find you and see you in unexpected places. May we experience you in ways that we have not yet experienced you. And may this encourage us in our walk with you, in our faith and our trust in you, even in the difficult times. And in the process of doing that, Lord, we ask that you would minister to those around us. May we reflect your holy light to those around us so that they may know that there is a Savior who is born in this world. It is you, Lord Jesus Christ the Lord. And we ask that you would bless us and make us prosperous. For your name's sake, amen. Would you please stand for our final song this, uh, this morning, What Child Is This?
1: This yeah. Where are I...
0: receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may you find him this week in an unexpected place. Amen.